Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. Happy Fool's Day, y'all. It's April 1st, and as has become our tradition since our very first year of podcasting, we put out a special, unique episode on April 1st. Doesn't exactly always fit with the, the rest of our episodes, but it's always something that we feel helps our audience and and a lot of times is based on things that we have learned the hard way that we're trying to help you guys not have to go through our experiences. It's pretty common in technology-related professions to be shy. Lots of people that get into this profession do so under the mistaken impression that they won't have to deal with people as frequently. That may have worked at one point, but the average software project is so complicated these days that you can't count on being the only person you're around. Also, if you really would like to be more comfortable with people and can't figure out how to get there, this episode is designed to help you. In it, we're going to go through a lot of Will's experience going from being painfully shy to the outgoing introvert that he is and some of the things that he learned in the process. Along the way, I'll also talk about what it's like being an outgoing extrovert and having to rein that in around introverts. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? I have been beating the crap out of my keyboard. Um, you do that all the time. Yeah, it's it's like worse than normal this week. Like I'm having some like uh, aches, like and it's not like in my wrist. It's like back on my forearm, okay, um, almost back to the elbow, uh, between the book, standing up a whole bunch of APIs at work. And just, I've got so many different things going on all at the same time right now. And all of them involve a keyboard. Like none of them mm -hmm. are away from the keyboard. And so I'm, I mean, I'm stressing big time. You know, the book is going to take a while. There's still a lot left to write. I also find out tomorrow whether I'm going to be speaking in front of a whole bunch of people at a conference I'm going to. Um, awesome. Yeah. So I don't know. There may be, it's between two and 400 people. So it'll be uh, pretty large for a speaking thing for me. So we'll see what happens. And that kind of goes with the uh, tone of this episode in that we're talking about getting away from being shy. That's kind of proof that I am now. So how about you? Midterms, bro. Oh my goodness. It's uh, I just got back from my midterm. We're starting a little bit late tonight. We didn't have a live feed. Um, if you guys follow me on social media, you might have seen some of my posts like uh, coffee stains and truth tables, <sighs> Boolean algebra. Y'all go back and listen to our episode on Boolean algebra. Um, you know, several times in that episode, we talked about this goes down a whole rabbit hole that we're not going to deal with in the short episode. Yeah, my test was on those rabbit holes. So like chip design, adders and subtractors. In the test, I had to build a flip-flop to match a specific truth table on the exam. So like it was it was a little bit of a test of my drawing skill and a little bit of creativity. I, I kind of liked the creativity side of it because you could build it different ways. 
using different chips. So you had to like figure out how to build it and make it work. Uh, yeah. But oh my goodness, that was, I had no idea what to expect. It's been like five years since I've had a test and all of my med school tests were mostly multiple choice, but they were also like tertiary or quaternary questions where it, it's something like, you know, here's the material you have to read. Here's what you can get from that material. Here's a question about something completely different that you have to use the both of those to figure out. <laughs> nice. So anyways, it was it was rough. Uh, there were some questions that were really straightforward, though. Like the very first question was nice. It was like it, ha- it listed out a bunch of gates like the and or not and exclusive or and I said, all right, define and draw these. Like, oh, I, I got this. And then uh, one of the other questions, which I think was supposed to be difficult, but just because I'm kind of nerdy, it was take a number and uh, it was in decimal and convert it to binary, octal, and hex. Okay. And, you know, I had only gone up to a 64-bit number. This was a 512. Yeah, it was huge. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just really glad because I didn't know, like, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what the test was going to be. I knew what the, it was going to cover. I didn't know what it was going to be about. So I am really glad I stopped at Walmart and bought a, like, just dinky cheap calculator because I knew I wouldn't be allowed to use my phone. Right. And I, I could have done the calculations by hand, but he let me use the calculator, which was nice. Uh, but still, it's going to cover 512 bits. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, well, the, the binary is the easy part. It's the calculating out the hex dividing by 16. That's yeah. I mean like octal and, and hex are shorthand for binary, but yeah, it's, it's well, still not to, pleasant. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I set myself up so that when I got home, I had a six pack of Andy Gator. I'm sipping on one of those now. I got my favorite beer here. So it's, it's just going to relax though. I'm so frustrated because he changed our assignment uh, for this section of the class and it's due on Saturday now. So uh, tomorrow night, instead of relaxing, I'm going to be working on an assignment. I did take a break from studying last night to set up my USB hub. Finally, I still need to get speakers. Uh, That's not as important as getting the mouse and the hub. And I'm using an older but functional keyboard. I'm going to wait and get a fancier one later on. Also found out today that I am not speaking at KCDC, which apparently a lot of people are not speaking at KCDC. It's been a big thing on Twitter. I haven't really been on there much, but uh, what little I've seen, a lot of people are posting about not getting to speak there because they announced their speakers. With all that, though, I do have an interesting product for IOTs. We've all been there. We overloaded an outlet or plugged just one too many things into a circuit. Or you're electronic savvy and you may have done some rewiring or replacing some older electric outlets and switches. In any case, most of us have had to deal with a circuit breaker in our lives. Circuit breakers are a multi-billion dollar market. And Eaton, a major manufacturer, is field testing smart circuit breakers. Most of the circuit breakers that we've all seen are simple electromechanical devices, but these new ones will be more like smart devices with connectivity and computing power. 
they will be able to connect to a smartphone or smart meter, and they'll be able to better measure energy usage, potentially help settle billing disputes, as well as uh, do some load control on devices. Really cool. It's a brave new world, though I am not really sure how I feel about uh, circuit breakers being on my Wi-Fi. Yeah, because like if you, you know, if, if it uh, kills the circuit breaker and then it kills the Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. you're gonna. Well, I guess you're gonna have to walk over there and turn it on like some kind of you know 20th century plebe. <laughs> I know. Like, like, what? Wow. Yeah, I know. Who's talking to us this week? We got a comment on the date time part three way back. He quotes and says, you just exposed yourself to a bunch of bureaucrats and not in a good way. Uh, He then follows up and says, if there is a good way to expose yourself to a bunch of bureaucrats or even just one, I honestly cannot imagine what it would be. Um, And this is uh, from Brad Collins. Uh, And I'll go ahead and answer him. There's not necessarily a good way, but there might be a satisfying one. (laughs) Um, And it will be uh, very direct. I, I imagine, and probably very hard to misinterpret. So thanks, Brad. Send us an email with your contact information because we've got a complete developer water bottle just for you. Guys, if you'd like your very own complete developer water bottle, leave us a review on iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all of our episodes to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and while it's still around, Google+. We're also on Instagram and Tumblr. Check us out each week on Facebook and Twitter Live, where we talk about what's going on in the tech world and answer some listener questions. Or you can join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. In this episode, we're going to talk through some of the strategies that I used to go from being a painfully shy introvert to an outgoing introvert who speaks in front of groups regularly. I'm going to start out by explaining some reasons people are shy along with my own experiences that made me that way. Don't want this to be an episode complaining about my life experiences, but rather explaining some things that I believe made me a lot more nervous around people than I actually had to be. Now, here's the thing. Some of this stuff still stings a bit. This is not really an easy episode to write or to you know, put out at all, even though for the most part, I'm past the point where it still damages me. We're going to talk through how I got through this in the hopes that it will help you do the same. I'll also tell you that I don't really like talking about this stuff. Uh, So I'll be brief so we can get to the meat of the episode in a way that's actually useful. So I had several life situations, if you will, that contributed to making me very, very shy. The first was that I was bullied uh, on a fairly continual basis from about fourth grade until junior year of high school. Now, this included uh, pretty substantial beatings on a regular basis couple times a week, you know, fourth grade, fifth grade, and sixth grade. Uh, I attended a private Christian school and the bullying kids' parents were donors. So basically there was no discipline of them. But if I hit back, I got disciplined. Um, and yes, there were multiple ones. There was just a group of kids that, you know, they were just little terrors. Uh, you know, it's interesting that you ended up being so shy. I also went to a private Christian school from second through ninth grade and got picked on and bullied a lot as well, and turned out differently. And it, it works that way, right? Um, which, is, which is good, right? Because that gives you hope that you can actually fix things, because mm-hmm. you could use somebody else's strategy if yours didn't work, uh, which is kind of what this is all about, really. Um, junior high and high school were a lot more of the same, but less physical, uh, just because those kids would get expelled. <laughs> they finally started kind of cracking down on that. I was also bullied extensively in the church youth group from about eighth grade until junior year. 
when I was 15, our youth minister had us write our names on pieces of paper that were then passed around the room so that other people could write constructive criticism. You know, put that in air quotes. Uh, what I got was, you know, obviously not constructive. This isn't something you get teenagers to do. And I kept that piece of paper until the day I left for college. So that's, I think, where we differ because church was my refuge. That's yeah. where my friends were. I was popular at church. Um, I actually remember my parents saying, I don't understand because my dad was a preacher and he did a lot of gospel meetings. We, we traveled around a lot. And he's like, everywhere we go, you're the most popular kid there, even though you are only there for a few days. Why are you not popular at school? Like, just, why don't you just do what you do do out there at school? And I'm like, because it doesn't work. It's a different dynamic. Yeah. And see, I got along great with, you know, the adults. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, I didn't get along well with other, you know, other people in my cohort. And the, the final capstone on all this was I was also sick through a good bit of high school. And I know a lot of people don't know that. And it's for medical reasons I was out. I've been to Mayo Clinic I've had uh, long periods during which they weren't really sure what was wrong with me. I had recurring sinus infections, real bad headaches. Um, I've had multiple sinus surgeries, just all kinds of stuff going on. Turned out to actually be a severe problem with mold at the school, but they took about three years to figure that out. Um, so I missed most of high school as far as it being a normal environment. And I missed all that social interaction. There were a lot of times where they were testing me for like weird cancers and they were testing me for like autoimmune stuff and just, you know, stuff that you go look it up on, you know, Gopher at the time. And you find out that if you have that, you're going to die very badly. And so I lived with that through high school. And the other thing that happened is the bullying didn't stop, you know, in the times when I wasn't too sick to go to church and go on youth, you know, events, uh, you know, it continued. Yeah, I think and that's another difference is when I got to high school, I switched schools and went to the public school where my friends from church went. Actually, I had perfect attendance for the first time in my life yeah. that year that I moved to the high school. And my, my parents realized, hey, we should have done this years ago. My dad even at one point apologized to him. He's like, I'm sorry that we didn't listen to you. Because like he saw the difference and how much happier I was. Like I I got better grades, I was better focused and like I escaped at the high school level and I don't think you got to escape until you got to college. It was after college. Um, Cause I, you know, if you remember, I didn't really fit there either, but you weren't bullied there. No, you I had friends there. Yeah. I had a few friends and I, yeah, but I, so, I mean, neither of us really fit there to be honest as well as we would have liked, but um, that's neither here nor there. Um, but anyway, with all this in place, I had a lot of justifications for being shy, but I hated it. Uh, especially, you know, panic attacks when I was in crowds. And so I want to share some stuff that helped me kind of work through that. Yeah, I, I can, I can understand that. I know when I was really depressed, especially coming out of med school, out of my divorce, I was still extroverted, but I was shy extroverted. Like I didn't want to be around people unless I knew them. And then yeah. I wanted just to be around certain people. And so that, that can have that. The other thing is just because you're shy doesn't mean you're depressed or that you've had bad situations happening to you either. Um, I have, you know, one of my sisters, she's just shy. She always has been. Yeah. Like I remember growing up, she was popular. She was popular at school and at church, but she was shy. Um, in high school, I had a friend of mine. She was on the dance team, very popular girl. 
and super shy. And I, another friend who was not very popular, but had her own set of friends, said something years after high school about, oh, yeah, that person was always rude to me. She never talked to me or anything. I was like, well, did you ever go up and talk to her? Oh, no, she was popular. You realize that she's shyer than you are. And that's why she never really talked to you. Yeah. Uh, you know, misconceptions that you get you know, at critical stages of your development can really affect you for years later. Um, so it's not necessarily bad experiences. It's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Like my little sister, she, I think she was shy because I was outgoing. I did all the talking and I was just, you know, my, my grandmother once told me that I started talking when I was about a year and a half old and never stopped. I never met a stranger. <laughs> That seems correct. Um, so, with all this said, I obviously went through a, you know, a transition period and got to be less shy and got to where now if I tell people I used to be painfully shy, they don't believe me. So, let's talk about how I went through this process um, and some stuff I learned. The first thing is, is you need to hang out more with people that are outgoing. Beach was one of those people. Enter me. Yeah. Um, and I had several others, too. I had some that were uh, worse than him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if your entire circle of friends is people that are painfully shy, it will come across as normal. And you don't want that to be normal. Now, I, I'm not telling you to dump your friends. I'm telling you to make some friends that are doing the stuff you want to do. You know, this is really interesting because I just had a conversation on Facebook with a friend of mine. Uh, up in Kentucky, she was complaining about Tinder, of all things. Big surprise. And I said something about uh, how, yeah, I was like, I, I really sort of set aside dating apps and stuff for a while while I work on myself, because I've come to realize in order to attract the type of woman that I want, I have to be attractive to that type of woman. Right. And then she commented, you know, the typical, oh, don't change yourself for someone else. I said, it's not about changing yourself for someone else. It's about becoming the person you want to be. Right. The person that I want to be is someone that attracts that kind of person. So, I am moving towards that. I am bettering myself for my own reasons that is also going to have that effect. Exactly. Um, and with this, it's not, like you said, it's not getting rid of your shy friends, but finding friends that are doing the things that you want to do. You know, if you want to be able to go out to the clubs, I don't know why anyone would want to do that, but if you, that's what you, you used want, to, <laughs> no, used to know I why. <laughs> well, yeah, I still know. Well, no, some people actually really just enjoy going out to them for, I never enjoyed them. I, I went for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if that's what you want to do, then you need to be around people that do that. I know I, I have had friends that I would invite to things and they told me, you know, they couldn't make it or they said no, they said no. And I won't stop until you ask me to stop inviting you. Right. But it's because these people said, hey, keep inviting me because eventually I'm going to say yes. And I do want to. It's just yeah. I, you know, I can't or I've got this, I'm busy or something like that. So, you know, you, you get around to those people and you tell them, hey, I want to come out, but you know, you got to work with me on it. You yeah. got to give me my out too. That's the other thing. Exactly. And, you know, having outgoing friends like that normalizes being outgoing. So it doesn't seem as intimidating because, you know, this goober over here that's in your friends group that does it all the time. So it can't be that hard. And that really does make it easier, right? It gets rid of the psychological resistance to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And from the outgoing extrovert perspective, if you have friends that are shy, I used to, think that I had to fix people. 
because I thought something was wrong with a person if they were shy or introverted because they weren't like me. You know, this was college a long time ago. I, I you know, I've probably like matured. sophomore year of college, really. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even the tail end of it. No, I, I, I matured pretty quickly through that, but it was an attitude that I had. And what a few things I learned is there are some shy people that want to be more outgoing. Um, some of them purposely befriended me because I would encourage them to do so. Um, some of them became that way because they had no other choice because they were my friend and they didn't want to be rude to me. But there's a few things that, that you need to know when, you know, dealing with shy people and helping them get out of their shell, so to speak. Don't force them, offer them the opportunity and entice. Say, Hey, we're, this is, this is going on. You know, we're going to be here for this at this time. Be consistent and offer them an out. I think that's the biggest thing that I can say to people is not just an option to not go, but an option to escape. So if they right. get into the situation, I remember the time that uh, we were at Graham Central Station, which is a five level club downtown Nashville. Uh, in the basement, they've got uh, pool tables and stuff. And then you have different levels of dance floors and music. And then on the top, they had a rooftop bar. This was back before rooftop bars were the thing where it was very open and people usually went up there to smoke or um, because they had more like rock bands up there. That's where I like to hang out either there or at the pool. I wasn't big into like the, the dance stuff to me. Electronic dance music is really great study stuff. I, I, when I'm out and about, I really don't want to hear it because then it reminds me of studying. Yeah. <laughs> But um, we were there, and I don't remember wh- where what area we were in, but you, I don't know, you have a panic attack, or you just were just like too many people at too much, and it was just like, yeah. I got to get out of here. And we had ridden with people. Myself and one other friend took you up to the roof, where it was like open air, and we went to the back where it looked out over the river, and just like, just stood there, and you know, we... We had a beer or a drink or something and just like, just hung out back there away from everybody. Um, like we even gave you space from us. Like we just kind of stepped away a little bit. Uh, yep. and so you need to give them that ability to, to get away. So the next thing I learned was that you need to start with small, slightly uncomfortable goals and work your way out. You're not going to be a conference speaker tomorrow if you're shy today, you know, unless you're just crazy. Um, that's, that's not going to happen and you probably don't want to force it. Uh, instead, you know, you might be able to talk with the cashier at Popeye's and have small talk with just one person. That's, that is a laudable goal. If you're too shy to do that, to go do that. I think you, you're hitting on something and you're kind of hitting around it, but there's different levels of shyness. So you should choose things that are above your level. Right. So So, push yourself. Yeah. Push your, push yourself past where you are. So if if talking to the cashier and making small talk is outside of your comfort zone, then do that. But if you're already doing that, but you're not comfortable meeting new people, then you know you could go to a coffee shop or a bookstore and just talk to someone randomly. I do this all the time because I like talking to people. And usually people are pretty talkative at coffee shops and bookstores. They're especially if you're talking about something they're interested in. And it's real easy to figure it out because they're usually in the section that they're interested in. Right. You know? Yeah. The the thing is, you want to pay attention to the difference between what you think might happen 
and what happens. You know, we build all this stuff up like, oh, these people aren't going to like me. They're going to make fun of me. You know, I'm going to get sprayed in the face with mace and the cops are going to come. And, and that doesn't happen. Um, you know, instead, they're just normal. If you have the expectation that it's going to be this awful, abnormal thing, and then that doesn't happen, that teaches you that, hey, maybe some of my perceptions are not correct and I need to think about those a little bit more. What it does is it makes you think about the way that you are expecting things to turn out and comparing that to what really happened. And after a while, you go, I'm just freaking out for nothing. And that makes it easier to move forward. The one area that I am shy is when it comes to women particularly women I'm attracted to. And I can talk to anyone, even women I'm attracted to. I can be friends with anyone. It's, you know, going for it, you know, asking them out or whatnot. You remember Jenny that I went out with uh, a couple of times in college? Yeah. So the first time that I kissed her, I was really shy. We were out uh, walking in the park and it was just the moment was right. And she just looks at me and she's like, well, are you going to kiss me or not? And, I remember uh, you talking about that, like how nervous you. you oh yeah, I'm like, yeah. Uh, so like I, I didn't know what to say at that. I'm like, she was very direct. Uh, one of the things I, I had liked about her, I'm like, uh, well, I, I didn't want to get slapped, and she's like, I'm going to tell you a little secret. The movies play it up a lot, but in reality, if you go in to kiss a girl and she's not interested, she's not going to slap you. She's going to pull away and not kiss you and. The negative reaction and the fear of that, like you lose so much of your life to worrying about that. Oh, um, yeah. I, I missed so many opportunities in high school because I didn't yep. go for it. And I found out years later from people who are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I totally would have kissed you if you'd tried. I'm like, you know. Yeah. So the thing is, is like we we have a brain that is designed essentially to anticipate danger, right? Like that's one of the reasons we spend the number of calories on that, that we do. The problem is, is that prior trauma or prior experience, including, okay, I saw this, you know, on a movie screen, we process that as danger. And as a result, you know, you freeze up and you don't do stuff that, you know, really there's no risk. And the point of this is you want to start pushing on goals like that consistently, you know, whatever the thing is, like try to get outside your comfort zone so that you can reprogram yourself to not be like that. So the next thing I learned was to pick goals that force you to confront the programming of your own traumas. And this kind of ties into the previous one. You know, painful experiences have a way of lo looming large in your mind. Uh, you know, for instance, my experience with that piece of paper, um, you know, it even it wasn't even most of the other kids. Right. There's just one or two that were just total jerks. But I held on to that thing for like what almost four years until the day I rolled it up and stuck it in a pile of dog crap, and lit it on fire and walked away. Um I'm one for the dramatic, but <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause I realized I was, you know, that was the day I was like, Hey, this is over. Yeah. And it's done. But you know, I held on to that for a long time. I understand that. Um, you know, I've got, I I've recently gotten rid of a lot of stuff from, you know, my marriage, you know, a lot of reminders of my ex and stuff like that. And there's one that I literally cannot get rid of. It's kind of like, you know, stained into my skin like the the tattoo that we got together. But earlier this week, I had a consultation to get it covered up. Nice. It'll be about a month after this comes out when I actually go in and get it done because the guy was two months out <laughs> in scheduling. <laughs> nice. But I, I've got some really cool stuff. It's going to look awesome. And I'll show you guys once, uh, once that gets done. You know, the thing is you'll see pain 
as a potential. You know, all these things might go wrong and you might get hurt again, mm-hmm. right? Or it'll go wrong and stuff doesn't go right. You know, even if you don't get hurt again, it's, you know, what could go wrong? You know, for instance, I used to be really worried about offending people, you know, putting a foot wrong, you know. You worried about offending people? You remember. <laughs> I know, I'm messing with you. <laughs> right? Like, you know, again, that's one of those things I can tell people now and they're like, you're lying. It's like, no, I'm not. I promise. <laughs> now, well, what's funny is in certain circumstances you were, in others, you you went the complete opposite. Yeah, I was a total troll in some, so like, I mean, because at that point I was already starting to work my way out of it. Yeah. Like, I just remember the uh, the underground newsletter that we both wrote for. Yeah. You were a total troll on that. And then when people called us out for not using our real names, I think we posted our names and our address. We're like, you know, we're roommates. Here's here's our apartment. You want to come by? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that was the other thing with that was that we were forcing or at least I was forcing myself to get out there. Like That was part of that. Mm-hmm. evolution is, you know, you push on that. Now, another thing I did forcing my way out uh, was speaking to strangers as often as I could. You know, I started consciously doing this because I used to not talk to people just out, you know, out and about. I just didn't, I looked at, you know, looked at the ground. I had the typical programmer, you know, I know really well what my shoes look like. I don't know what your face looks like. You know, I had that going. And if you start forcing yourself to say good morning and look people in the eye, intentionally, at least once a day, it will change your life. You know, what's funny is from the other side, somebody that talks too much and like interrupts meetings with irrelevant stuff um, because they think it's funny. Yeah. You can apply it in the reverse. Yeah, you really can. Um, Just like, like not saying the thing and not talking uh, for, for things like that. Yeah, the other thing I learned to do uh, was to start smiling at strangers and telling jokes. You just crack a joke about something. You start to be able to see jokes just kind of sitting there waiting to happen. And you realize if you tell them to people, people laugh. It's not bad at all. You're not going to bomb out on most jokes. And if you you get a reputation amongst your friends for telling jokes and stuff like that, like situational jokes, then um, you have to be careful to to not... uh, get such a reputation that you don't even have to say anything. You can just give a look and people start laughing because then you, you stop noticing those because you just hear something and you don't think of the joke. You just make a look. Yeah. What I'm getting at is this is kind of a way that you, something you have to watch out for backsliding back into more shyer behavior. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, Cause I, I think I've done that a little bit at different points, but you know, you might do stuff like uh, learning to ask for directions, you know, restaurant suggestions, like, you know, if you want to talk to somebody, just go, hey, can you recommend a place that's greasy and spicy to eat around here? And people yeah. will laugh at that choice, but, you know, it's a straight up reasonable question. And it's one I would ask all the time anyway. So, you know, one thing that I did, uh, especially when I was really depressed and like you or one of my other friends wasn't available to go out, but I just needed to be around people was I I like going to the same places. The familiarity and the fact that once I find a place that has food I can eat, <laughs> there's not a risk factor there. But, you know, I liked going and sitting at the bar. One, because when you're by yourself, it's it's pretty easy. Also, you know, if you just if it's just two people, it's still you can go sit at the bar and it's easier. But, you know, by yourself, you go sit at the bar and then you've got a bartender who, especially if it's not real busy, I like to go in odd times. They'll stand and talk to you. Yeah. And, you know, you remember that uh, Thai place we used to go to 
back in mm-hmm. college. You know, we you know, we hit that place up like what once a week there for a while, and you know, we got to know all the wait staff and all that, and that was that was great. I mean, that was a good that's a good way to get out of your shell, and you got to eat anyway. Yeah, that that was a great thing. We went uh, was it every Thursday? It was between classes or something. Yeah, well, it was it was I got out of class, and then you you were um, we we hit them. After the lunch rush before dinner. So like we still got the lunch pricing. Yeah. <laughs> so we were the only two people in there and they were just, you know, super friendly people too. And that helps. Yeah. But I mean, that's one way to uh, get used to talking to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there's another thing I learned as well. And that is that you've got to start fixing stuff like your health, your appearance, your mental health. And I know that people go, oh, you got this big scraggly beard and all this other stuff. It's like, look, I'm not a skinny nerd. I'm not. I don't have a beer gut, you know, much. <laughs> I'll say I got a little bit, maybe more than I would like to have, right? I don't feel shy about my appearance anymore. I don't, I'm not embarrassed. And that it, it's really hard to make yourself outgoing when you feel or look like crap or think you do. That's the big issue, I think, is the perception. Of yeah. It. Like, I know some people that, that are just, you know, monstrously unhealthy and very obviously so, but they're happy. And it doesn't bother them and they're fine. But then I know yeah. people that, you know, they've got a physique, like they've got a great physique, but they're just shy. They're, they don't feel like they're good enough, but you got to fix your perception of it. And the way to do that is obviously through discipline and, you know, taking care of things. Like you take care of your body weight, your sleep and your mental health. You know, you got to do those things. Otherwise you're not going to be able to get outgoing. Now what this does mean is you're going to have to set some boundaries so that you can make progress in those. I mean, I've been working on losing weight. I talk about it at the end of the year with our uh, our goals episodes. Like this past year, 2018, I lost two pant sizes. I am still a lot bigger than I was when I went off to med school, you know, um, and even bigger than I was when I was in college. And I am in the process of working my way down. I'm still I'm still bigger than other like I'm still bigger than any other time in my life. And I mean, that, that weighs on you. But. Yeah. Well, see, but that process of losing has made me feel better about it. I don't have problems talking to people about, yeah, I've lost weight. Exactly. Yeah, I've, been, I've put a lot of work and effort into it. You know, I go to the gym every day. Well, not today because I had my midterm, but almost every day. And I'm making progress. And it's it's showing. It's slow, but it's showing. The other thing you can do is try to dress a little bit better and, you know, pay attention to your appearance. Like don't be as sloppy and scraggly. If you're telling yourself that you're not that great, your appearance is a lot like the way you carry yourself and the way you dress yourself is going to carry that. Yeah. And honestly, you can be, uh, you know, you can have some fairly raggedy clothes and do that in a way that doesn't drag you down. But, you know, if, if you've got a low sense of self-esteem, you, you kind of need to fix that just so that you can, move ahead and figure out where the line is, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, cause dude, I worked with this guy at a previous job who is the most confident dude I've ever been around. And he, um, he was once confused for a homeless person outside the office. Yeah. I'm not joking at all. And he totally looked it. You know, if you got that level of confidence and this may not help you, but if you don't, this is a way to start moving in that direction. You know, it's interesting. I was talking to someone the other day about this, how I, the way that I've dressed the last couple of years is not really true to who I am. It's been, well, these are the clothes that fit. Yeah. You know, and 
as I, I'm losing weight, I've been and going through my storage unit, I found a whole box of clothes that fit now. And I'm like, hey, these are a lot more in line with the way I the way that I feel, like the way I want to dress. Um right. which usually is, you know, dark concert t shirts and you know, jeans and you know <laughs> But yeah. you know, that's me. Uh, and that's how, that's where I'm comfortable. I'm like, I say this as I'm wearing my Dropkick Murphys t-shirt. So, <laughs> but I have, I have friends that I've made recently that, you know, now that I'm wearing these kind of clothes, they're like, oh, I didn't know you were a Dropkick Murphys fan. I didn't even see, think of you as someone that liked them. I'm like, yeah, that's because I haven't been dressing like me and I'm starting to, and it's, it's showing. <laughs> yeah. So this next point is uh, something that, you and I both do fairly well now, and I used to not be able to do it all. Mm-mm, no, you didn't. And that is small talk, you know, getting people to talk about themselves. You don't have to talk about you. You can get mm-hmm. the other person talking about themselves, and they will remember a wonderful conversation. And you didn't really do a whole lot. I do this naturally. And it's in part because I'm interested in people and I collect stories. So I like to hear their stories about themselves, and I just like to know about people. It's a, I'm genuinely interested in them and I'm not too shy to ask them about themselves. Yeah. But, uh, I, I didn't see it when you were learning to do this. Like you've kind of mastered it now, but I did see it when my sister was learning to do this. And it, it was, it's interesting because I could tell that she was forcing herself. Like you could, as someone who is a natural talker, I could tell that she was like kind of trying to pull out the conversation. And she still does this sometimes, like, like she's trying to not allow uncomfortable silences. On the opposite end of that, I'm the type of person that if I can sit in a car or sit in a room quietly with you, that shows a lot of trust. Because we've all been in cars with people that can't. Yeah. Oh, that's that's me. If I don't know you well or I'm not comfortable around you, then I I cover that by talking Yeah. or getting you to talk. And, you know, I... I you know, I, I dated a gal like that and a mutual friend of ours helped me help her move one time. And I don't know how I talked <laughs> him into it. I think I promised him like some beer or something. You know, it was like nothing for it. And this guy, you know, she was nervous, I guess, or whatever. And so, she, you know, she got wound up and talked so much and he never says, a, you know, a cross word really about anybody. But he was like, man, does she ever shut up? I mean, I shut up. <laughs> I shut up all the time. I could show her how to shut up. Would that help? <laughs> I mean, he was just, <laughs> I, 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 I know the person you're talking about and yeah, he's, he has told me the same story <laughs> and it's so funny hearing it from him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you don't want to be that, but you know, the thing is, is you need to be comfortable with small talk and getting there requires practice and yeah, eventually you want to talk about more substantial stuff, but it's okay to start there. It's okay yeah. to do a fair bit of it. Just this is where conversations start. I see a lot um, being in the dating community on dating apps with like, I hate small talk, you know, talk to me about something substantial or don't talk to me at all kind of stuff. Usually I don't talk to these people at all because I'm like, you don't have anything substantial on your profile. Like, what am I supposed to say to you? There's nothing to right. get a conversation going. And even the beginnings of conversations are going to be trivial until we kind of until we hit that oh hey you know we we started off talking about the weather and you know as we went along you you mentioned hey, I can't wait till it gets warmer again we go oh hey well why why is that and then we find out oh 
you like to ride motorcycles. So do I. So then we start talking about your motorcycles and like why you bought the one that you bought and things like that. This is a conversation I had with my pastor the other day. Yeah, <laughs> Literally and started talking about the weather and ended up on motorcycles. Exactly. It's like a handshake protocol to get them to give you something to, to hang a conversation on. That is a great way of putting it. I love that. It is a handshake protocol. Um, yeah. I, I wish more people understood what that was outside of our realm, but you know. Yeah. And besides, if they don't like small talk, maybe they like C. Sorry, that was a dad joke. Uh, people are going to hate us for that anyway. Um, but look for reasons to talk to people that you want to talk to, right? Like if you're sitting at a restaurant and you want to talk to the people at the next table, ask them, is the soup spicy? I, I do this all the time at Indian restaurants out of self-preservation um, to try to figure out, you know, can I actually eat that? You know, am I going to die? You know, um, I've been accused of, especially back, um, do you remember when the... I don't know if it was when it came out or when like the group I was with read the book, but about like people wearing masks and stuff. It was some like pseudo psych book. It was written by a psychologist, but it was like, like there was this whole pseudo psych thing about like, you know, stop wearing your mask, show me your real self. And I got accused of wearing masks around some of my closest friends because of this. And I'm like, no, I'm not wearing a mask. I literally emphasize the things that you're interested in. So when I'm around my friends, like, the friend that introduced me to Dropkick Murphys and music stuff, guess what I talk to her about? I talk to her about music. Guess right. what I don't talk to her about? I don't talk. No, actually, I could talk to her about that. I don't <laughs> talk to her about hunting because she's vegan. Yeah. You know, it's like, I- I'm not going to talk to you about things that you're not interested in, but yeah. you find these out with small talk. Yeah, you really do. And you get that feedback cycle. You get to where you can actually see in somebody's facial expressions if they're starting to get bored or irritated or whatever. Like this gets you the skills that you need to not get nailed in a conversation. Like you have kind of, you're putting your chips on the table and risking a little bit, but you're not risking, you're not risking the whole game here. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And, and you, you do that very well. And, you know, that's, that's something I learned probably a little bit of the way my approach is, is the same kind of stuff, you know, between you and three or four other different friends. Yeah, I can I can see when like especially when we're at conferences and you're going out and talking to people around the booth, like I can see the different like, oh, he picked that up from me. Oh, he picked that up from David. He picked that up from so and so. It's just like, you know. <laughs> yeah. And and that's totally totally fine. It's not a mask. It's just, you know, you you have to figure out, you know, it's a it's a Handshake protocol. It's an, it's a content negotiation. It's mm-hmm. not a big deal. Now, the next thing, and this was a really hard one for me, was to monitor your self-talk and your self-sabotaging tendencies. Um, you know, we've all got people in our social circles that will get to a certain point of success and then they completely blow it up. Yep. Right. Like you and I know a couple of guys that will get into relationships and they, you know, they go a month or two and then they, they do something stupid and destroy the entire thing. Like mm-hmm. consistently, you're like, okay, the, you know, the, the countdown timer has started. <laughs> They're a month and a half in. We're just waiting on the call. Yeah. It's like I already have the beer in the fridge. Yep. <laughs> waiting for this conversation <laughs> when this ends. Yep. Yep. And, I know that. And you know exactly who I'm talking about. Well, actually, you don't know exactly. You know approximately because there's about four of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, people will, will tell themselves stuff like, you know, they'll, They'll say stuff like, I'm stupid, or even I'm shy, right? And you don't. You're not. You've done dumb stuff, or you have been shy in the past. That's Mm -hmm. it. This is something that I never really struggled with, 
because I have a very inflated sense of self. <laughs> I think too highly of myself. Was I supposed to disagree with that? <laughs> no, I was okay, expecting good. you to agree with it. <laughs> I just was trying to be silent. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm a fountain of manners. Um, but it's something that I, I, I've never really had to look at until that's about a year and a half, maybe two. That was two years ago. It's like I was living in Nashville. It's not too long after I'd moved there. Uh, I went to this pub that we were looking at doing an event at. And so I sat down at the bar and I'm, yeah, I had a drink. I'm eating. This very attractive woman sits down beside me and she's apparently a regular there. And we get to talking and she's, you know, up there at our level IQ or higher, very perceptive, kind of in sales marketing stuff. And, uh, so we, we talk for a while and stuff. And, you know, I think things are going well because she's being really, you know, interested in stuff. And then, She's like, you're not over your ex. I'm like, what? <laughs> wow. She's like, you're not. And apparently, without realizing it, I had been talking like just, and it took me a while to figure it out. It was, I was telling stories because what was the most recent stuff that had gone on? Like, even if I weren't talking about the the divorce and everything, it was still like a big portion of my life right before that had been with her. So, you know, so I asked her about it. I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'm not getting anywhere with this girl. At least I can learn some stuff about myself from her perspective. Yeah, if she's that perceptive. Yeah. So I was like, all right, so what are you talking? You know, what like I asked some things and she's like, Well, like, you're telling me about getting your dog. She's like, You didn't have to mention your ex in that. You could have just talked about how you you went and you connected with the dog. You the same thing with getting your motorcycle or with this story or that story or your these various trips. She's like, you don't have to mention that she was in them. It's like, but because you do, it tells me that you're not over her yet. And that, that really hit me. I'm like, you know what? I, I may not be, I may need to work, work through some stuff. Like it was, it was funny. Cause it, like, I think I talked to you afterwards about that. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, you know, there was a limit to like how much I was going to push on you. Cause like you yeah. Gone a long ways, you know, like I'd seen your, your growth curve as it was. It's like, I'm not going to make him put more weight on himself right now. Yeah. Um, so there was that. And then not that long ago, maybe six, eight months ago, I had gone out with this girl and she was recently divorced. And then maybe a week after we went out, she posted pictures of her and her ex-husband on their anniversary and all this stuff on Facebook. And I'm like, yep, nope, you ain't over it yet. And yeah. I said something to a friend of ours and he's like, well, you talk about your ex. I'm like, yeah, but I tell stories about things I did that wouldn't make sense if I don't didn't include, oh, yes, my ex was there too. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, you're right. It's like, you really don't talk about her. You talk about stuff that you did and, you know. She was around. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, the point of it is, is we all tell ourselves all kinds of crap, mm -hmm. right? Like we do that all day. Pick better crap. That's all, you know, that's really all this is. And by the way, that doesn't mean you know, that you go find cocky stuff to say, um, about, you know, to yourself about yourself. It means that you find aspirational things to say, and then you learn to back them up. Our friend Guy has a saying that it's not bragging if you can do it. So you guys aren't going to hear me talking about things that I'm working on or I'm learning to do. You know, uh, you don't hear Will when he first started learning uh, was Icelandic 
like you guys didn't hear Will talking about learning Icelandic. You heard Will talking about, oh, hey, you know, I play some games with this guy, these guys from Iceland, and they were surprised that I had actually taken the time to learn some of their language and had a conversation with them. Yeah, it was a very short conversation, too, because that language is kind of a pain, and it's, it's you know, I, I can speak very, very little of it. But yeah, yeah um, it was a thing I was interested in, and I did it. But I, you I didn't, wouldn't brag about it until... Yeah, you didn't go... I'm learning Icelandic. And we, we see this a lot in programming too, just to kind of circle back to, you know, complete developer and all the developer side. Uh, you see a lot of people and you'll run into people who aren't really interested in doing the job of a programmer or even becoming a programmer. They are more interested in saying they're learning to program. Yeah. Or writers, you know, oh, like yeah, there are yeah. so many people out there that want to have written a novel. They don't want to write a novel. They want to, or people that want to, you know, have built a business, not to build one. Well, you know, one of the reasons that I did not really fight leaving med school was because I realized that I didn't want to do the job of a physician. I wanted the yeah. title of being a doctor. And there's a lot easier ways to get that title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just <Yeah>. say. <laughs> and where you don't have to deal with as many people. Yeah, it's great. Well, there's, so, there's, and. Yeah, that fits into the next point, right? Which is, you know, improve your strengths and then embrace failure until it stops. Yeah, you're going to fail at stuff that you do, even if you're good at it. It's part of the process. I mean, we've talked about this. I think we've had whole episodes on this. Oh, yeah, we definitely have. You know, and, and th this is something that I think that you and I both have learned to do over the years is go, okay, I'm going to try this. And when it blows up in my face, I'm going to have a good story. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. actually an explanation for a good decade of our lives, actually. <laughs> Most of our 20s, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that reminds me of someone I once worked with uh, talking about painfully shy. This guy was shyer than you when I met you. He also did not like, like to touch people. The greatest compliment he ever gave me was shaking my hand. Yeah. Seriously. Um, but I remember... He became friends with myself and one other person we worked with. She and I were both very outgoing. Uh, and he would come and have lunch with us and hang out because we wouldn't force him to be outgoing. We would carry the conversation for it. But he would ask us about dating advice and stuff. And he told us about this one woman that he met online and had sent him pictures and stuff like that. I won't go into any more detail. But you know, he asked me, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, he's like, well, what do you think I should do? She wants to go out next weekend. I said, well, I'm going to be honest with you. You you like coming down here and telling us your stories about crazy situations that you've had. It's like, if you want another story to tell, go out with her. If you want a relationship, if you want anything serious, don't, because that's not going to happen. It's like, move right. on, do something else. Like, you're not going to enjoy it. If you want to have a good weekend, don't go out with her. If you want a good story to tell, go out with her. The next week I heard the story. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> you know, the thing is, it's it's totally fine to work on your weaknesses. We all have stuff that we're not good at or stuff that makes us afraid or whatever. But a lot of times the work will pay off a lot more quickly if you work on your strengths and improve your strengths first. Mm -hmm. You might even find that a lot of weaknesses go away or change with more self-confidence. So some of the stuff that you think of as a weakness might be completely different later on. It's like, oh, well, I didn't know that, you know, I could do this with this, right? Because I, I was mm -hmm. 
nervous before, and now this is actually a positive personality feature. Um, I used to be really, um, I used to lack confidence when talking to people and, you know, combative martial arts, weightlifting, all that kind of stuff that beat that right out of me because I realized that there's absolutely nothing that they're going to do in a conversation that's any worse than getting hit in the face by a 300 pound weightlifter. <laughs> yeah. So the next thing I learned uh, was to start finding the things that triggered me. In other words, and I don't want to use trigger in the term of like uh, the safe spaces type stuff, but more like the stuff that puts you in a bad way, you know, whatever like tips you over into feeling bad, acting bad, that kind of stuff. Figure out what that is. Situations are going to remind you of painful things in the past. Um, I'll tell you this, when I have asked for feedback after a talk, that scares the crap out of me. That makes because sense. because of experiences I've had, yeah. and even though it's completely stupid, and even though I have had highly rated talks, that's mm -hmm. still something that hits my mind. Oh, yeah. I, I I totally get that because I mean, you and some of our other really close friends had to be really careful, like almost walking on eggshells about certain topics and about not reminding me uh, or triggering things when I was really really deep in the depression right after I got divorced. Yeah. Or actually, while I was going through the divorce, is probably the worst of it. Afterwards, it started. That's when it started getting better because it was already over with. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it was like right in the middle of it. They were any little thing that reminded me of something would just set me off. And there were still things that would would trigger it for a while afterwards. That just like it, it started to fade, but I eventually had to get over those. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the things that, you know, you really did well uh, is you leaned into it, right? You didn't go, okay, I'm going to avoid this thing that causes me pain. You're like, okay, now that I know what it is, I'm going to just run straight into it. <laughs> yeah. Which, which you did with a little more gusto than maybe was absolutely necessary, but <laughs> that's your way, right? That is my way. Yes. And, you know, the thing is, is when you do that, you end up finding out either that your bad experience was a one-off or it wasn't as bad as you've made it in your mind at the very least. Do you remember um, the, the woman I used to work with when we were in college, Tammy? Yes. So she once asked me to help her uh, be more outgoing. Specifically, she wanted to make more friends at her church. And I remember, I think you even came with me a couple of times. I started going to church with her to sort of meet the people and, and help her be more outgoing and be more friendly to them. Yeah. And one of the pieces of advice that I gave her was do something that scares you every day. It doesn't have to be a big thing. And, and this goes back to several of the other points we've talked about. You know, if talking to the cashier at the gas station every morning where you buy your coffee absolutely terrifies you, then do that. Have a short conversation. Ask them, you know, how their morning's going. You know, something like that. Just, just very simple but do something that scares you a little bit every day because then it will scare you less and less. And you'll realize, hey, you know, this, this isn't bad. Now, I'm not talking about big stuff. Like, I'm not talking about skydiving. Of course, I, I love to go skydiving. I haven't been. Me yet. too. Yeah. Um, Let's but, do that. You know, the thing with skydiving is when you fail, you make a crater, right? So, like, don't do that if you're <laughs> like, you know, try to get that one right. Um, yeah. But the thing about it is, is you want to start recalibrating your perception of risk to what's actually happening. Yeah. It's just an adjustment that needs to be made. Uh, and something, you know, when something starts setting the old pain off, try to use the situation to force yourself to take the beating with the goal being simply to not let it knock you down. 
In other words, like I got through this and it, it sucked. It was painful. I didn't like bringing this stuff up. And now that I'm done with it, I know that I can survive that. Like if that's all you can say when you get done, that's completely okay. And, and something that you and I both have had to learn probably multiple times is how to reframe difficult things. I actually sent John Sanmez an email uh, the week before last going, hey, I've got this problem. It's really ticking me off. It's really burning me up and I can't figure out how to reframe it. That's yep. basically the gist of it. And he came back with a reframe real quick. You know, I was like, okay, yeah, here's, you know, he's great about you, that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's one thing I, I use, you know, stuff that he has written is like when I'm ticked off about something and I'm upset, I'll go find something where he's dealt with that thing. And he's usually really good about coming up with a reframe. I mean, find people like that and you can learn how to do that from how they do it. Now, the last thing, and this is the, the rough one, uh, you have to want success badly enough. And you may have to dig for rock bottom, frankly. Uh, you may have to get to a point where you go, hey, this really sucks. I hate this. I don't want to live like this anymore. And you may have to you know, kind of tighten the screws on yourself, honestly, to emotionally be like, okay, I'm completely done. I'm going to fix this. Because it's hard, right? It's easy to stay comfortable. Sometimes and, you don't have to dig for rock bottom. You're already there. Yeah, sometimes you just kind of splat. You know, yeah. there you go. <laughs> hey, Will, want to get a beer? Uh, <laughs> that's... That's that's the sound of BJ you know, hitting rock bottom, bouncing. Is, is hey, let's get a beer. Um, but the thing is, is you're not going to want to fix stuff if it's not bad enough, right? Like if you right. feel like you can deal with the pain, you know, you either have to deal with it or you have to turn it up to the point where you can't handle it. And you'll eventually find yourself there anyway. If you know if things can't go on like they are going on, they won't. Yeah, this applies to so much more than just being more outgoing, like. Looking back on, I mean, I I was depressed before, like my my ex ever said she wanted to leave. Like that was one of the reasons yeah. that she was wanting to leave. Like it was one of the major ones, really. Yeah. And I I hadn't hit rock bottom yet, and so I hadn't sought treatment. I didn't see it as being a problem. And you know, I think at the end of you know the end of the day, the the thing that you've got to remember in all this is that someday you're going to die. Okay, like there is nobody here that's immortal. You know, there's, you know, there's nobody playing, you know, here we are born to be kings, right? Like that's not happening, right? Like, you know, <laughs> you're not Highlander. You're, you're going to croak. You're going to take a dirt nap. Like at the end of the day, that will happen. Because I mean, who wants to live forever? Now that song's in my head. Thanks. <laughs> that song will be in my head forever. Thank you. But the thing is, yes, you're going to die someday, but you can choose to live on the other days. And uh, that's really what it comes down to is you've got to look at, you know, if, if this is bothering you enough, you have to sit there and go, okay, I don't want the rest of my life to be like this. I want to fix this and, and to be at that level of desperation because, um, you know, you may be feeling some anger and all that kind of stuff. Anger is not something to be afraid of, uh, but you do need to be afraid of it boiling out and having nowhere for the steam to go, right? You will just completely blow up. All and, men die, but not all men truly live. Right. Um, you know, the, the thing is, is you need to start viewing your anger as a symptom, not as a disease, because anger is actually very, very useful for getting you out of certain kinds of situations. Well, the thing with anger, and I used to teach anger management classes, is that anger is an emotion, and emotion is amoral. It's not good or bad. What you right. do with it is what's good or bad. So, if you're painfully shy, a lot of times 
it's a response to a bad situation that may have happened earlier in your life. Um, other times, it may be that people have different temperaments that may or may not be genetic. However, a lot of your worst fear, especially the kind of fear that ruins your life, is probably learned. While you may not be at fault for what you experienced, you do have it within your power to start fixing it so that the damage stops. That pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I just want to point out, you know, guys, we're fountains, not statues. Uh, Nothing is fixed. You're not something. You're not nothing. You could be something or you could be nothing. And that's a huge difference. There is a lot of power that you have that you need to take back. And I know a lot of us have had some life experiences or had stuff happen to us where we end up with a life that we don't want. And at some point, have to start fixing that yourself. Because if you don't do that, it's really because you made it that way. It's not because of any trauma or anything. It's because you sat and wallowed in it. So don't be afraid to say enough is enough and fix things that are hurting you. Okay, I my life now is evidence of the fact that this works. Getting twisted up and angry enough at how bad things are and fixing it can make your life better. If you do it the right way, you'll be okay. That's all I've got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.